At Push My Buttons Podcast, you can get all the gaming news, as well as information on latest releases and game reviews. You can also watch us play some of your favorite games, everything from Sonic the Hedgehog to God of War, on YouTube and Twitch. Follow us on all the social media and listen on all of your favorite apps. Just search for Push My Buttons Podcast. Listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. You expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hello and welcome everyone back to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, our continuing podcast on the films of the James Bond franchise, uh, which we have previously called on her majesty's secret podcast and for your ears only but i think now we're just calling bond country right uh that's i think that's yes. the way to go you're in bond country welcome to bond country y'all so the um, police you listen here boy you just came into bond country <laughs> oh no you do not invoke <laughs> sheriff oh, no. ever <laughs> we can have we can have Inspection bond Thailand. country but yeah, but we can't. No Sheriff Pepper in Bond country. He's not allowed. He's uh, we're in the Pierce Brosnan era now, not the Roger Moore racist sheriff era. Um, and we're talking about a non James Bond movie this week. Uh, we're talking about The Rock uh, with Sean Connery uh, recording tonight on what is Sean Connery's 90th birthday. Happy birthday, Sean. Happy birthday, Sean. Happy birthday, sir. Sir Sean Connery, very great. <laughs> and we've got uh, our our regular MI6 crew uh, along along with at least one straggler. Uh, I'm Andy Wilson. You can read my stuff on Bleeding Cool and Graphic Policy. Um, Marco, you're you're Mark. You're back. Welcome I am back. back. I was busy Yay. forming in the Gulf of Mexico. You know, it went so much. More quietly last week. I know, right? Jesus. We we had giant giant semi trucks uh were driving in between the pauses. Uh they they flipped up on their wheelies. sides without you here. Yeah. yeah. Popping wheelies without you. Let's be honest. We're just holding space for you, man. Yeah, Andy always has a giant semi when you're around. So don't I'm pretty sure you do. I've got, I've got all of you here. We do, really. I can feel y'all semis from here. And I appreciate it. Especially me. Yes, yeah. yours yeah. is impressive. Andy's is just yeah. on the side. Two, it's a two-wheel semi. It's a two-wheel semi. <laughs> um, yes, indeed. Uh, but but definitely semi. Uh, because because Brooke is here, so I'm always... I've always got the semi because Brooke is here. So it happens when I don't stop talking about sex ever. So, uh, welcome, Brooke. Um, we're <laughs> glad you're here. Thank you. Yeah, and then um, also speaking of sex, uh, JB Flinders, you're here. <laughs> we can't get rid of him. Stunning, stunning spice, as you all know me by. Stunning spice. Uh, True. JB's JB's the Mark, other reason Mark, I have Mark, a semi. Mark, yeah, Mike, Mark's favorite Spice Girl, Stunning Spice. <laughs> uh, yes. You were watching um, a different channel than the rest of us. I don't know. Yeah, I, I could, I could see that. 
So, so JB, tell us what you want, what you really, really want. Well, Andy, I will tell you what I want, what I really, really want. It's not going to happen. I don't look good in skirts. I want to, 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 more significant 401k and, uh, boring. and a huge tract of land. That's um. That's like that's like strategic spice, is what that is. <laughs> that's geriatric spice, not Jerry spice. Spice. That is definitely going to be the one I'm shooting for. What are you doing there? Spice? Well, I was writing a song, and then I realized that I have not diversified in quite some time. Good. Um, I got to make sure that I get the royalties for that song. That's where oh, the money man. is. I'm gonna call you boring spice. I mean, right. as long as there's a 401k, um, I'll be boring. That's what I like to hear. Speaking so, of the 90s, <laughs> so we're here with The Rock, uh, which with The Rock. That's just the movie we watched. We're yeah, we're not we're not here with Dwayne yeah, The Rock. I was with The Rock. What happened yeah. to this podcast? Semi as hard as a rock. What's what, what's going on here? Yeah. Sean Connery. Oh, Sean Connery is what happened. Yeah, a song written by he a, a sexy was on the, the playlist that we'll soon to be talk about soon. See what That's happens what when you introduce Nicolas Cage to anything? Goes to shit. Yeah, it just it just got really crazy because it, of now, Nick Cage. Sean Connery was did not was more likely to do this movie because Nicolas Cage was involved. Did I read that correctly somewhere? That he was How like, can oh, that be possible? Oh, Nicolas Cage is involved. I got to be part of this now. Like, no way. Stop it. That's not true at all. No, I okay. So, so here's here's why we're doing this movie. Yes, Sean Connery, but also because this is a Bond movie that isn't a James Bond movie. Right. Uh, the basic premise of this movie is: What if James Bond had been imprisoned on Alcatraz in the '60s and then escaped? And then they still kept him stuck in prison somewhere. And then when uh, a group of Marines led by Ed Harris with some really terrible chemical weapons take over Alcatraz, they bring in Nicolas Cage, their chemical weapons expert, and this James Bond guy uh, whose name is Mason in this movie, not James Bond. And uh, infiltrate the island along with Michael Bean and... Um, and a squad of Navy SEALs, and then they have to, you know, just just go take out some rockets. And uh, that's uh, that's with the Candyman on board, right? And okay. and the Candyman, yeah, the Candyman's also one of the bad guys. And the rockets are loaded with anal beads. So, so your your <laughs> bond, bond your Bond homages are all over the place, right? Like he uses, but of course you are when you meet Stanley Goodspeed, which he uses in Diamonds Are Forever, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's trained by British intelligence. He's supposed to be the older version. Using um, anal beads. Maybe whatever your, <laughs> whatever your. And James he is Bond Poseidon character. throughout the entire movie. Right. He was oh supposed gosh. to be captured in '62, which is when Doctor No was. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what are what are the obvious homages that you had, Andy? Those those were just some of the ones. I, yeah, those were those were the ones that I had, but I just I, I like that conceit that you know this is, you know, what if what if James Bond, and you know even so. knowing the like 
the CIA secrets and the where things are hidden about JFK and stuff like that's pretty bondish. Yeah, I like I like that idea that it also like placed it very much in this historical idea where like oh J Edgar Hoover ran the FBI and he had secret files on everyone, including British members of Parliament and the royal family. So he had to go in and steal them all, and uh, that's what got him nicked. So. Well, that- that was supposed to be the sequel, right? Where uh, he has the microfiche, which you know can no longer read at any library, sadly. Um, and <laughs> R.I.P. Microfish reader. Yeah, and he was yeah. supposed to then go back to find Mason and have him help with the what he found, right? So it was supposed to be the big tie-in back to the the stuff that he had uncovered on the the tape. At least that was supposed to be the sequel. I don't know why they didn't do a sequel other than. Um, Nicolas Cage. I mean, I think we should just throw it on with all the other movies we've decided to make during this podcast. Let's make it. I mean, it's- <laughs> well, but I mean, they they took kind of the concept and watered it down and made it a PG thirteen movie, which was National Treasure. National Treasure. Right. <laughs> yeah, the same cast except Candyman for the. I mean, yeah. So. <laughs> And, and Can Connery, you imagine yeah. Candyman in National did Treasure? You, did you uh, know that there's a new Candyman coming? Cool. Wasn't it supposed to come out this year? Another yeah. one? Yeah. yeah. What? It was supposed to. Those movies are yeah. so freaky. But uh, it's, uh, it's a <sighs> Jordan so Peele production, good. right? It is. Yeah, Jordan <gasps> Peele's executive producing. It's Shut directed up. by, oh, and I've forgotten the name of the director. Um, but like, she just signed on to make the next Captain Marvel movie because... Oh Guys. Because they're done, they're done with Candyman, and they're like circulating it around. People I in Hollywood are seeing Candyman movies. It. I love them. They scare the shit out of me. They, well, they are my go-to's at the beginning of October with all of my Halloween movies. Oh my god! That makes all right, me if you so like Candyman and Jordan Peele, y'all need to watch Lovecraft Country. Or- I almost started it this afternoon, but Dude. I decided to keep working. We're going on yeah. a tangent here, but y'all have to watch that. Jesus Christ. It's so good. Do we yeah, have to I need to watch that. I'm terrible. Now. You are terrible, Andy. Yeah. I am. We can get you to watch that and your first Western because I'm getting tired of telling you. I, 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 I've watched many Westerns. No, we're just going to watch Partying Silverado. That's all there is to it. Okay, well, yeah, oh, I, still, I still do it. need to watch Party Silverado. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've that. seen... I've after, seen many westerns. After Ator the Flying Eagle, you can watch. <laughs> I strongly feel like at some point during this podcast, one of these tangent movies, we should all microdose on mushrooms and then record this because I feel like that would be a really good experience for the audience. I am all for that. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing that says that we can't do that. So, you know, <laughs> you know, the law. You guys have a good time with that. I'll- yeah, no, it'd be kind of cool, like watching it all shroomed out with semis. <laughs> well, I mean, you. <laughs> I'm not sure threw it in there, and, and I'm glad you caught that, Andy. Before it was- <laughs> I, I, I was, I was just going to, I was just going to say, uh, you know, I mean, we could, everyone can bring whatever legal or illegal substance they would like to imbibe before before the film um me and my teetotaling self would probably not watch it with with anything and so i could be the designated driver the whole point is to get andy fucked up (laughs) (laughs) operation Andy. (laughs) that's gonna 
I got your That's going to take some convincing. I'll tell you what. We could like start if we started this like a Patreon like or a GoFundMe, there is probably a dollar amount that would get me to do that, but you Done. know. Okay. We'll just you know. ghost you. We'll be like Mama Cass and say, "Welcome to your trip." Yeah. Um, that, that's why I'm staying oh socially God. distant from you, Marco. Like, not only... Can we all microdose and then watch The Fifth Element together? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we need to start this podcast over because like, I've got nothing from the first 20 minutes. Okay. I've got a. Okay. Quick, quick tangent. I need to tell a story about oh, the first time JB and I saw The Fifth Element. Oh, do you so remember this? I have a very strong memory of this. I do remember it, but tell, tell yours because I'm excited. I was having a really, really incredibly shitty day. Uh, dealing was it my fault? with. No, no, oh it was not. <laughs> I was just looking was at there. the time frame and thinking. <laughs> no, 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 no. This was, this was, this was like, you had me. You were like awesome at this time. I was having a shitty day because of my uh, dumbass parents uh, and shit that was going on with them. It was a Sunday and I was just like, I was dying. And so I, I just called JB and he's like, let's just get you out of there. And so he came in, he picked me up, which was like, first of all, like a, a no, no. It's like, oh, good boy. Andy's going to go out and break the Sabbath. <gasps> I know. And you're like, let's just let's just go to a movie. And so we went to the Central Square Four That's in right. Provo, Utah. If That's folks right. remember this shitty little theater. <laughs> and uh the fifth element was playing, and you were just like, let's let's just go see this. And I went from having like a one or two day to like having a ten. That was just so good. Like I didn't know. A thing about that movie i was um you know yeah that was that was, was so a, good was i thought perfect. you were gonna tell us that jb got handsy it, it was oh, he might have why do you think it was up to a 10 that was <laughs> it was like that know, was semi, that, semis that's all, all over the place there that's the perfect movie for a, a rotten day though there is no better yeah yeah so i love that movie i remember uh, for some reason, we didn't get that much promo about it, but I had a friend that was working in Cinemark, and I got to see most of the movies in the 90s for free because my friend would just let me in. Nice. And uh, I had seen uh, just it, Fifth Element. We, we hadn't seen much promo for it, and I, and I figured, I'm going to go watch this. And I remember being blown away thinking, I fucking love this movie so much. I ended up seeing yeah. it like 10 times. I still love that movie. Anytime yeah. it's on, I just watch it. It makes me feel good every time I turn turn it on, probably because I, you know, it, it gave me a day where I was having a horrible day, and it was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, I want to hear JB's three call, though. Um, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about the Sabbath for me is I spent a, a lot of Sabbaths watching movies. Um, and sadly, not enough of them with Andy, uh, because right. there was still that restriction of, um, I, you know, the, the one, I was a good boy. You were a very boy. good boy. He really was. You and, really were. Um, and it, it took a lot to, to get him, you know, and, and again, 
it was never anything malicious when we just got you out of the house and went and did something fun. You know, it was just like, yeah. well, what else can we do on a Sunday? Well, crap. I think the only thing we can do is, you know, bounce and go watch three movies in a row at movies eight, you know? Yeah. So, well, and and the great thing is the movie theaters are empty in Provo oh, yeah. on Sunday. So it was like you and me in a theater and that's oh, it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so there was, there if was we'd no wanted to get handsy, that would have been the place. Uh, one of the best memories that I have of when Andy and I would go to films is uh, they always had The Simpsons for player. They had it in that movie's oh, yeah. forever. Um, and we would purposely go well before, well in advance of our movie time. Um, mm-hmm play simpsons for way too long and we were and then they had x-men remember they had x-men after that yeah but we were good enough at it at that point that you know you the quarter would go 30 minutes before you had to jump into your theater so we always had a really good time my mom would would be like fine you can go early um just let me know when you're done because you know we live around the corner from that but you know we we'd take a dollar 25 um and we were good for i mean three hours four hours later (laughs) yeah it still carries over if you uh don't mind me saying but (laughs) yeah no that's great that's awesome i spice for you there that was my response (laughs) anyway i love the fifth element it's such a dark court like it just came out of nowhere and made the world a better place. It's funny because like all of us, there were so many, like the Basan library back then is, is exceptional, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Professional, which is one of the most underrated movies. I adore that movie. Yeah. Indeed. You know, and then you ended up even with district uh, B 13, which was awesome. You know, so, so his library is, is quite full and, uh, a, a great film to Andy. It was funny because you were talking about to celebrate Connery's birthday. What are the best and worst movies that, that Connery created? And if you go back through his, you're going, man, this dude was in some turds. He was. Yeah. And that's kind of how Basson's library ended up being where, you know, with good intentions with most of his films. But um, by the end, the, the library wasn't quite as full as you had hoped when we were kids and everything was pretty solid. Yeah. But some of those, um, speaking of filmmakers with promise, um, Michael Bay here in his second movie coming off talking about music videos, right? Yeah. Started, started music videos, then made bad boys. Um, and that was pretty good. And then, and then this movie, the rock, and it still felt like with this movie, Michael Bay, like actually had like a voice or like some sense of like authorship and i have since like um uh changed my mind about that that i think actually (laughs) what was happening was that like don simpson and jerry bruckheimer who were the executive producers were like this is bullshit michael you can't do that you can't just be like explosions everywhere He's like, no. So I think it was more like they helped rein him in. And then once Michael Bay became Michael Bay presents, then uh, his movies started getting shittier and shittier. But in this one, you know, he's he's insane, but he's a little bit more focused. And I think it actually like works, even though it's 
ridiculous. Do you feel this like, is a ridiculous movie. Do you feel like it was his own press? Because, I mean, Andy, you talk about this in, in some of your reviews on Bleeding Cool get into this quite a bit and, and more eloquent than I will reference it here. A lot of times you talk about people buying their own press and the, yeah. the, the shadow version of who they become, right, when they pick a, a style and become that. Um, and rather than saying Starscream took his brain, um, I wonder if more of that's part of what it was, where he just, he's like, okay, I'm typecast, I'm this person, and I'm just going to sing um, the whole time, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it. I think, um, I I mean, I, I think there might also be an element of like, um, you know, uh, and maybe it's just I'm, I'm coloring this because Eminem was going through the same thing at approximately the same time. It's like, you know, I am whatever you say I am. Right. And he's like, you know, you want me to be this like caricature? Sure. I'll show you what that caricature is because that's who you think I am. And you think that's all I can produce. So, yeah, sure. Here, here's a shitty movie. I'll make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars off of it and uh, y'all can go fuck yourselves. That's fine. Like he doesn't need to like have some like huge creative statement. I, I don't know that like that's um, it doesn't seem like Bay is like enough of like a thoughtful filmmaker that like he cares about that. I think he is just animated by like, you know, delivering, you know, stuff like this. That's very visceral and, you know, lots of explosions and lots of TNA and, you know, go have fun with it. I don't, you know, he's, he's like, he's like everything that Darren Aronofsky isn't uh, and, and vice versa. I, I, I don't think he cares about substance. I think he cares about mm-hmm. making sure you have a good time. Yeah. And, and I think in large part, the, the reason we have such a bad view of Michael Bay is basically Transformers. Because if you if you take his other movies into consideration, you know, Pearl Harbor aside, they're really not bad. They're, they're kind of... They're, they're you you can't say Pearl Harbor aside, though. That's like, you know, except for the Holocaust, what, Hitler was... <laughs> It's a giant turd of a movie. It, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with I that. I love that you just compared the movie Pearl Harbor to the Holocaust as a whole. <laughs> no, I mean, like, if if you look at every director's body of work, there's everybody has an asshole. Uh, Armageddon's gonna—I mean, Pearl Harbor's gonna be that asshole in Michael Bay's body of work. It's just—it's that bad. But Transformers, I think, are, is the reason why he gets such a bad rap because. There's so much wrong with that franchise. I think it mm-hmm. got away from him. I don't think it's all him, although I I do think he bears a big, gigantic responsibility for the turds that they are. But I don't think it was all him. But if you look at his other no. movies, especially like Thirteen Hours, it's it, you know he, it's actually pretty good. It's got lots of action. It'll take you in, and it'll you know it, it, you'll have a good time watching it. And I think that's all he cares about. I don't well, think he cares about giving you anything worth of, with substance in it. So I think the only thing I would disagree with Mark on that is I don't think he cares if we have a good time. I think he cares if he had a good time. I, I agree. I think that's the only difference. I think he is the he has become and and you know correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's become the penultimate narcissist director, 
in that I think he makes movies, and you referenced this earlier, I think both of you did, he makes movies that he wants to make the way he wants to make them, and he he goes, I assume people are going to come watch this, and I don't I don't care if you don't, per se, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's I think you're right in that he doesn't care, but I think the answer is he cares if he likes them rather than if anyone else likes them, right? Which, like, as an artist, is like the ultimate most freeing thing. And so in some sense, like Michael Bay is like this perfect artist because he doesn't care. And he's just like, no, this, this is how I'm going to make my movies. I don't, yeah. well, I don't care if the critics hate that, it. Right. I mean, look at, do it. you know, Andy, you're really good about posting stuff like the Jeff Bezos of the world. Are, are they not the same level of auteur where, hey, I've made I've made it. I've done everything I want to do. Everything else is just gravy, so sit on it and spin, right? Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, the success that you 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 provide is allows you to do that. Yeah, you know, Bezos is is like, hey, Amazon works. People love it. I don't need to listen to, you know, the, this criticism. Yeah, Zuckerberg, same with Facebook. You know, it's just like, you know, hey, you know, I. I did my thing. A lot of people love it. The, you know, it, it's making a ton of money. So, you know, it can't, it can't be that bad. So, um, you know, I mean, I don't, I do not agree with that statement. I'm, I'm trying to put myself like in their shoes. Well, it's to give, give the people what they want. Right. 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 And, and I think Mark, to your point, I think Armageddon was hit the hit downfall. Um, because I thought that movie was a big turd sandwich too. I had a good time with it. <laughs> well, you, obviously, you obviously missed a thing. Um, but <laughs> no, no Aerosmith joke. Sorry. <laughs> but I mean that to, that was just. I think it was because and and Mark, you and I've talked about this with other directors. Uh, you know, the Bad Boys and 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 the Rock movies were so great that I think going to Armageddon, I went oh. Well, that's kind of a letdown, right? And then, right, and right. then Pearl Harbor was the giant stinker. And then, to me, he came back with. I thought the island was actually really entertaining. I Wait, I actually like the island. Yeah. Oh my that's, gosh! Yeah, that's the one with uh, Leo in it, right? No, no it's uh, Ewan McGregor. No, Ewan McGregor. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, oh, okay. uh, I hated it. It's such it's such you're, a crap thing of Logan Brown. Think. Yeah, you're thinking of the beach. Oh, the bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I literally turned it off and never finished it. It was when so he boring. Oh, no, I, I'm totally with you both on that one. That was, that was so yeah, boring. Yeah, Mark, you, you summed up the island well there, but I don't think everybody heard oh, it. Say yeah. that again. It, for, for me, the island is just a poor retelling of Logan's Run, and I prefer to watch Logan's Run. I thought yeah, that that's, movie was that's so good. fantastic. Yeah. I think that's yeah, nice. But I thought it was interesting, and I feel like it was also like the last time Michael Bay really tried, um, and nobody liked it. And so he's like, "Well, fine, then I'm." If y'all just want shitty movies, yeah, exactly. Oh, that explosions, motherfuckers! I'll give you explosions. Such a flashback to Saturday morning cartoons. That's all. I, Transformers for you. Also Burger King. Ah. 
I don't want nuggets. Put down those chocolate oh. robots. Yeah, well, yeah. I have never seen the Bad Boys movies, so I can't oh, speak to his oh, legacy, but I need to go and change that. Bad. I know. Yeah, they're excellent movies. You know, the um, new Bad Boys movies might be in the top five movies of 2020. Really? I, you know what's really? Well, think about it because there because there haven't been that many releases this year. <laughs> and it was basically like a good movie. That was a fun movie. Well, so the See, other yes, there's no competition. We're going to give the award to you. Yeah, I think the other thing that's funny and and Mark to your point is not only did he it was his directing kind of going downhill, but look at what he produces after uh, the island. Okay, Texas Chainsaw, the beginning. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. Friday the 13th. So he starts doing all the, old, the Purge, the, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all the Ouija movies. But then, oh, A Quiet Place. Huh, how funny. Oh, Bumblebee, huh? Like, does, after 10 years, does he go, well, all right, I ought to do something good? Or, it, like, it's always funny how they run back into that, you know? Yeah. I will say though that Andy also put some other questionable movies in the top running. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is true. Invisible Man. <laughs> um, my my top five for this year is horribly questionable. I completely yeah. agree. Because I, like well, I mean, maybe you need more friends and hugs. At least you didn't pick Last uh, Skywalker, so that's fair. I almost well, said Last Starfighter, which I would have much rather watched. <laughs> Jesus Christ, baby! I swear to God. I'm gonna reach to this microphone and punch you in the face. I would have punched you in your semi the theater. So, so that would have been great. And Baby Yoda also in that one. I'm gonna kick you in the semi. That's what I mean. <laughs> was Michael right. Bay presents Baby Yoda. Whatever I do to your semi, you're not gonna like it. <laughs> wow. Baby Yoda transforming into cars and stuff. Oh yeah. God. No, that's great. <laughs> It's the it's the crossover we need, Baby Yoda and Bumblebee too. So, you know, the Mandalorian and the Delorean. Who knew? <laughs> we, we did it. We, I feel so it. confused right now. I'm I am so. Yeah, are we I'm still so talking confused. about the Rock? Because yeah, sure. let's get back we to the Rock. We started this thing. So, <laughs> so let's talk about the Rock. Like we talked enough about Michael Bay. I blame all the raging semis. But this <laughs> this movie is redonkulous in in Just all like the, the right ways. But it's um, fun, man. It's so it much is. fun. And it's you know, so it much has fun. some serious moments, though. Yeah, it does. Okay, it, so let's talk about well the serious moments, which all revolve around Ed Harris. Yeah, yes. I think I think Mark said well intentioned when we were watch parting it, and I think that's the most accurate statement. Yeah movie Mm -hmm. because it's well-intentioned yeah well-intentioned and ed harris is like actually like putting in a really heartfelt performance here he is like he understands what he's doing he understands the stakes of what he's doing he's not doing it lightly but he's like so fed up with the system and he the the first scene in the movie is he's going to his wife's grave and like he has nothing less left to lose and uh a guy like that he's dangerous in that situation um 
I like that. I like that statement as well. This was also one of the first movies I remember watching that seemed like, you know, in the hands of another director, um, that social conscience might have gotten more play. Um, in some ways, I'm actually glad it didn't. Because oh. I, I like that Michael Bay just like skims over it. And so we get a lighter touch. So we still get a dick flick out of it. Yeah, kind of. But but it's a dick flick with like, oh my gosh, the U.S. military is kind of like the military industrial complex sucks, right? Yeah, but here's a bunch of explosions too. <laughs> so I like that. Shout out to David Morse for being named, um, well, was it Major Tom Baxter? Yes. Nice, nice Bowie yes. homage there. Well done. And David Morse being like the best, uh, um, the the best like serious uh, side actor who's in everything. Um, David Morse is like Johnny on the spot at like for this this time period. He's just like, you need a guy, be serious. Like, yep, David Morse, he can yeah. do it. Kind and of, you've got yeah, this really great supporting cast with them too. Yeah, that's, that's what, we were, what that's what we're talking about. Is there anybody that's not in this movie that we remember paying attention to when we were when we were younger? Like everybody's in this film. Yeah, even like the unnamed guys. It's like uh, you know, Mark Mark and I were talking about the lack of Latino representation in this movie. We had the one guy. Which is real, but the one guy, it's like, oh, that's the guy who's in Clear and Present Danger, too, who we can't remember his name. But it's that one guy, and we're well, like, oh. I, I remember his character's name, I just don't remember his, his name name. Yeah. Sorry. So, but, well, because I, he didn't, I don't, he had, like, one line in this movie, because, you know, Latino representation. Um, But he was there, and he was... You know, he was cool for like the one or two scenes he was in before he got killed. But yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, if if you're so stacked that like that's what you're doing and you've got, uh, you know, you've got Tony Todd as like your, you know, the fourth villain. Like that's how deep you're going. <laughs> yeah. like, that's great. <laughs> It's like holy cow! I think going deep with four villains is considered something else. <laughs> What's that called? Is that is that called an a, 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 an Alcatraz Bay? That's <laughs> 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 like Alcatraz steamer. I think that's that is the literal dock of the bay right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we we had a dock of the bay the other night. Holy cow, man! Uh, four yes. of y'all? Wow. It's Tuesday. Oh, Let it go. Yeah. Four four villains deep. <laughs> and uh, and and uh, before him, yeah, you've got John C. McGinley. Um Mr. Scribbs. As who was yeah, Dr. Cox on Dr. Scrubs Cox. as uh as the you know third bad guy. So it's like wow. You you got a lot of badass Marines in there. Uh, I was um, watching this with my daughter, and she was like, "That's the second movie where he's a bad guy in the military." I'm like, "Yeah," because we uh, we went through this uh, for like about three days where we were watching nothing but Vietnam movies, and he comes out in Platoon as one of the dick uh, 
a Marines. Oh, so, yeah. so she like made that connection. She's like, this is the second movie where he's just a bad Marine. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe you watched this and Platoon with your daughter, though. Like, yeah, well, uh, it what were we watching? Where I said, you know what, it's time for you to learn about Vietnam. So (laughs) we saw, dude, we saw Platoon, we saw Full Metal Jacket, Hamburger Hill, and we were soldiers. What? I'm gonna call Child Protective Services on you, Mark. Can we guys intro statement though? It's time to learn about Vietnam. Exactly. Hamburger Hill, young lady. Agent <laughs> well, Orange, fire it up. You need to know why people hate us. Do you have you have any of you watched the the True TV series? I'm sorry. No, is that the name? Is, sorry, or is that the title? That's I'm, the name of that's the title. The, in one of the episodes, <laughs> the mom she's a hysteri- hysterical comedian. She sits down and she starts watching. Um, the sound of music with her daughter who's like three and at the the end of the movie the little girl looks up at her mom and she goes mommy what are nazis and she's like oh shit why do they put why do we show this movie to our children and she's like um so nazis are kind of like remember when we watched harry potter the malfoys are like nazis and hitler he was like voldemort and the little girl goes oh she goes only they were real and she's like but you Whoa. said they were all fake. Hitler's real. And then for like the rest of the TV, so the little girl won't go to bed because she's like, but I'm afraid that Hitler's in my closet. And the dad oh is like, gosh. what the fuck have you done to our kid? <laughs> don't worry about it. It's just Taika Waititi. He's nice. So maybe kids don't need to know about Nazis in Vietnam. Uh, when they're three. Well, not when well, they're when three. They're three. Yeah. But... Not telling I, kids about Nazis in Vietnam, I think, leads to I just mean when they're vaguely at 2020. Listen, 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 I just mean when they're three, okay? Yes, when they're three, yes. Yes, no, no, and I do three. know that, that Marco's daughter is not three. No, she's yeah. not. No. She's a teen. And I'm just, I'm just, I don't know, like, that is, that's like, not only violent content, but it's real and historically real and, like, terribly upsetting. Yeah. Like... I don't want to like, I don't want to watch Full Metal Jacket because it like scars me. <laughs> and I can't imagine like, hey, 12 year old, let's, <laughs> don't you let's think watch this. Watch it if your dad came up to you and was like, all right, it's time to learn about Vietnam, right? Oh, Sit down, son. You're about to learn some war. Now, oh, if, you made, uh, if you had a tapas menu, I'd probably <laughs> if you didn't have tapas, I'd be like, nah, I know where this is going. I don't we had go. lots of quiche. Yeah, we there you go. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> in in our household, if it's like, okay, kids, it's time to learn about Vietnam. It's like, okay, here's all the different ways you can get your pho. And here's how you order a spring roll. <laughs> Did you watch American History X afterwards? Just no, we're not, we're not there Just yet. wondering. Not there yet? Okay. <laughs> Well, even no. I'm not there again. Yeah. That's no, not until she's 14. All that's right? going to be a Let's while. Yeah, that, that's going to be a good while. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy shit. Anyway. But, oh, yeah, so, the anyway. The Rock. The Rock. We're not having Melissa here, because Melissa would be like, will y'all just shut the hell up so we can talk about this movie? That's why she's the returning champion. Well, let's talk about let's talk about Vanessa Marcel. Hello. Okay, Gosh. who is Nicolas Cage's girlfriend? Yes, 
who is not Claire Forlani. Who's not Claire Forlani, yeah. which I mixed up. I'm like, oh, look, it's Claire Forlani. Oh, wait, no. You're like, all I right. was wrong. All right, Andy, not all white people look alike. Not all white women look the same. I'm sorry. <laughs> when we went and watched, what was that? Um, oh, the movie was... God damn it. Never mind. Ignore me. Are you shrooming right now? The movie with God, Claire Forlani? No, the one that came out with the, the lady... Um, oh, Meet Joe Black. No, it just no? came out like two years ago. Oh, well, uh, oh. The singer, the singer that wore the meat dress. Help oh, me out here. Lady Gaga? Lady Gaga. Oh, Lady Gaga. Uh, Star is Born. Star is Born. Okay, so we go to see a Star is Born, and Chip looks up Brooke. halfway through, and he's like, God damn it. You just, just cut all this out. He he thought that she was someone completely different. He looks up the screen. She's like, God, I love her. And the whole movie, I was staring at her face going, I swear to God, that is Lady Gaga. I swear to God, but that is Lady Gaga. And at the end of the movie, the credits rolls, and it says Lady Gaga. And I was like, oh, my God, the whole movie. I was so distracted by the fact that I thought that was Lady Gaga that I couldn't, like, get into the rest of the movie. Because he said That's something hilarious. like, I love Claire Danes or something. Like, it was so and so Claire far Danes. off <laughs> that I'm watching the movie and I was like, what? Oh my I cannot, God. like, that is some damn good makeup. But I was well, right yes. the whole time. Uh, you, just, you just cut all this out. Just, I'm I love sorry. Claire Danes, by the way. I do, I, I do love Claire Danes, too. I'm still crushing so, on her after all these years. Yeah. Speaking of 1996, Claire Danes kind of peak. Mm. Um, like, Well, I guess it would be post-peak because my so-called life was 94. Those like wonderful like 8, 10 episodes, however many they were. That was anyway. long at all. Yeah, a couple years after. But still, yes. Still crushing on Claire Danes at this point. Still crushing on Claire Forlani. um, But who is not Carla? What's her name? Vanessa Marcel. Those are two different people. Yeah, but Romeo and Juliet came out in 96. And that was a Claire Danes in that. Mm, Yeah. Oh, there's also this movie called The Rock that came out that year. Oh, yeah, that one. And, And Vanessa, what's her name? Is in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) From General Hospital. Oh, was she? Dude, yeah, that's where that's her main claim to fame. Uh, Not the the rock. rock. (laughs) (laughs) No, not the rock. Those of us who skipped high school stayed home and to watch General Hospital know all about her. Oh, Okay, okay. I skipped most of high school but did not watch General Hospital. I was bowling, so <laughs> well, there we go. All right. Okay. Um, but I don't know, Mark. You seem to have a thing for her and wanted to talk about her. What? She's hot. What else? My God. We and her and Claire Forlani. Okay. Just, yes. I just they're just hot. That's, and... that's my commentary. <laughs> yes. Uh, Michael Bay put attractive women in his movies <laughs> and. They're the shot them using Fox, both of them. <laughs> yeah, shot them in a very male gazy way that made them very attractive. I I've never would have comprehended such a thing. Michael Bay never does that in his movies. Never a bit of cheesecake. Uh, yes, uh, they're great though. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I mean, but that brings us to okay. I mean, I guess we can go through some more of the supporting cast. Um. I want to talk for a second about John Spencer. 
as the head of the FBI because uh, I love him. Um, I'm a huge West Wing fan, obviously, and right. R.I.P. John John Spencer, uh, gone too soon, and still John very Spencer sad about that that we that we lost had, him. Had people calling from the other hotels when they were filming that scene because they legitimately thought someone was hanging another person off of the hotel balcony. Oh, no way. No way. Wow. That's That's crazy. But he's so good in this because he's such a likable guy, but he makes a really good heel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very specific what he's doing. He's like, he's like, I'm very serious. I'm just doing this job, but there's some history between him and Mason. Yeah. Love Um, that. I kind of like what I want is not the sequel to this. I want the 1960s sequel of like young Womack hunting down young Mason. Like that would be interesting to me with someone channeling John Spencer and someone channeling uh, Sean Connery. I think that would be, I think that would be cool, but maybe, maybe I'm the only one who wants that because I, I like what John Spencer was doing so much in this movie, but like, yeah, I think that leads you to that whole, the, the, the biggest, the most intrigue. And this happens, I think in some, um, a, a lot of movies from this time frame are directors play off perceived plot angles, not knowing that the audience actually is really interested in them. Right. Cause that's mm-hmm. the thing in a lot of late, 90s and mid 90s movies we watched is you know they they develop this backstory and then they leave it and they just sort of wink you know wink wink by the way these two know each other you're like well okay tell us about that because that seems to be the driving part of why all these decisions are being made and they sort of just leave it right so i i think that is i i'm with you there there's a lot of these backstories that would have been really neat to hear about um because it would have set up a lot more of, of what was going on. But yeah, take this back to 1958 and um, where, where those two met and how he got into prison in 62. That, that would have been cool. I like what we got though. I think both oh, yeah. actors played it well enough to where you knew there was history there where, when uh, Mason does the quarter trick, which needs to be myth bustered and he sees Womack's face and he said, and he looks at me and he says, Womack, like, you, you know that there's history. There. Oh yeah. And it's the way they they play each other that mm-hmm. that's all you need, and that's what happens when you have experienced actors. I think in lesser hands, it would have been like, "Oh, it's you," and yep. the audience would have been like, "Okay," and but they play yep. it so damn well, like they really carry those scenes together. And he's like, he's like, "Oh, I'll give you my word," and he's yeah. like, "Oh, your word, sure," and Holy like. <laughs> He's totally, he's totally like, he knows what, what the game is and that's, what's so perfect. And, um, like, I, yeah, Spencer's playing it really straight and, you know, Connery gets to have some fun with that scene and, and chew a little bit of the scenery. Yeah. And then, and then you have the supporting cast that really like just moves everything forward. You have, uh, uh, Dr. Cox or what is his name? John C. McGinley McGinley. as as Hendricks. And Captain Fry, especially, like, you know, uh, they they start off as just being like, yes, man. But, you know, they take on a bigger role later on and they carry their scenes so damn well. Everybody is 
playing their part to an 11 in this movie. It, I, right. That's why I love this movie so much. Like everybody plays their part so well. It's almost like, almost like a hunt for red October where all these little bit characters just help carry the goddamn film so well. Right. And they, they start off all of these Marines show up on Alcatraz and they are a team. They are like so perfect. They infiltrate this facility. They get out with um, with the chemical weapons. Right. They take over Alcatraz. It's like perfect precision. And then they start diverging. Yeah. And it, it, each it, of them get gets nuanced. Like how committed are they really to all right, of this? Right. 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 They. They. And what all, are their real motivations? They all start off like the Marine machine. It's it's unit 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 unit, and yep. then it just falls apart so beautifully. Uh, you know, for the movie, it just falls apart and it starts to fall apart when they face off against another Marine unit that, that that's really fulfilling their oath. And I love yeah. that scene so much, Andy, where Michael Bean's like, remember your oath. Like, fuck, yeah. I love that scene so much. Let's talk about that scene because that's a great scene. That's one of the more memorable scenes right. in this that's movie. That's one of the, 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 the most serious parts of this movie where you have Marine, where you have Michael Bean representing the Marines saying, have you all forgotten your oath? You know, we have to protect uh, from all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And he starts screaming about mutiny. And when he's when he's having that face off with, uh, with what's his name, uh, Ed Harris, you know, Ed Harris is telling him to command his, his men to, st- to stand down. He's like, I will not give that order. God, you know, that back no, and forth where, where you know neither side's going to give and you know what's going to happen and you know who's in the right but even though they're in the right, you know what's going to be the end result because, you know, Ed Harris and his men have the high ground. Like, you know, they have the position. They have the vantage point. They're, they're not going to get beat. And the Marines yeah. are not going to step down. They're going to fulfill their duty. They remember their oath. And that scene is just so damn perfect. Right. And and to clarify, I don't want to get angry letters from from people in the Navy they're Navy SEALs. Michael well, Bean yeah, and his sorry, team sorry. are yeah, SEALs. Navy SEALs. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, Im- important difference. Um, Do we think people from the Navy SEALs are listening? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. That's the part of this podcast you're going to get a nasty letter about. We're yeah, not no. doing mushrooms. You know, we're, <laughs> hey, I don't know, like retired Navy SEAL people might be into us doing mushrooms. But, but I just, <laughs> you know, if we're going to write off the entire state of Montana, uh, I do not want to piss off uh, Navy SEALs. <laughs> so, you know, we can write off Montana. No, I'm kidding. We love you, Montana. All five people who live in Montana. Yes. I'm going to Montana. <gasps> Wonderful. Man, what are you, you going to do in Montana? Day. I'm going to Montana. We rented an Airbnb. I hate going you. To it's one of the five states I haven't been to, so we're going to Montana. Oh, to Montana's to, wonderful. That's I'm going to try to dip up to North Dakota and cross the second one off the list while we're there. That's you know, I so want to go because I started watching Yellowstone, and I highly recommend that to folks. If you have access to Peacock, watch Yellowstone. It's so, so good. Uh, now I want to go to Montana and see if there's any dead Russians over there. Yeah, well, Brooke, where are you going to be in Montana? Because depending on, um, oh, I check your map because North Dakota. I know it's seven hours away. I get it. Oh damn! I've checked the map. It's still well. It's about six hours. I have checked the map, but yeah. But I mean, in what other circumstances am I 
probably ever going to be within six hours of North Dakota. Um, go, go on a Dakota? random trip to yeah. <laughs> go to go to Yellowstone, and then while you're there, go to go to Fargo and like say, oh, I went to I went to Fargo. You know, That's true. <laughs> it's funny Fargo. looking. How do you I mean, mean funny looking? I mean, I'm going to be there for four days. Okay. Well, I mean, if you want to spend one of those four days in a car, then go for it. Just, it is beautiful. It is really beautiful up there, but I don't know. I, I love Bozeman. Bozeman is a, like a, a really wonderful, yeah, town. It is, it is awesome. Are there grocery stores there? We're trying to. Oh yeah. Bozeman is like a totally normal place. It is. It's, it's kind of hippie. It's, it's more like Boulder or, um, you know, one of those places. It's got like so. a, it's like a Park City vibe. It's got like a really vibrant, yeah, side. So I'm never gonna want to come home. That's what you're saying. I like the Montana. Yeah, probably. Got the I really feel left out, man. I'm the only one who hasn't been to Montana. I haven't either yet. Well, you're, you're gonna out. go there. Sorry, out in two weeks. sorry, Italian Sam Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. Raise they don't let Italians into Montana. You need papers. You got they don't paper. let you travel like, state oh! to state anymore. <laughs> Can't go to Montana. Hey, we gotta go to Montana. What, what's the problem? Hey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry, I did it again. I'm gonna stop talking. I'm gonna stop no, no. distracting Can us from the stop. movie that we're actually talking about. What would what would this podcast be without <laughs> weird random bird walks? Um, we would have talked about The Rock for more time, which is yeah. Anyway, but that shower scene um, with with Michael Bean and the and the Navy SEALs is absolutely spectacular spectacular like I will not give that order that's you know when we get to favorite lines that that's you know one of my that 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 could be in like the top 10 movie top 10 lines of this movie absolutely yeah, yeah like no one top 5 top 5 yeah, could definitely. be your number 1 if you, you know, take, you know uh, it, it, and I know really- uh, I I mentioned this when we were doing our watch party is that while, while hunt for October is one of those movies that made me want to join the military and like top gun did the same thing. Uh, this is a movie where it made me start to be scared about what ex military people are capable of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's same. one of those things that kind of drove me when I was watching this movie. I was like, Oh crap. Those folks, some of them, some of them can be a little cray cray, man. Yeah, it, it definitely. So when, you know, um, five years later, when I started hearing about us using like ex-military private contractors to like do stuff in Iraq and Afghanistan, I'm like, holy yeah. crap, yeah, this yeah. is bad. Like that, that is not to be trusted at all. At all. But yeah, you're absolutely right. So yeah, uh, that stuff scares me um but but like i said it also you know shows that like our giant military is not necessarily to be trusted that you know we leave people behind and we don't um we don't account for that stuff no one is accountable uh you know we just get like the glossy version on tv and and like i said i like that uh, that there's that patina of, you know, a message uh, in in between the explosions and car chases. So, yeah, I, I, 
I still really dig that. And, you know, and this season or excuse me, this scene is what sells that. Yeah. That 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 shower scene is absolutely the thing that that sells that. And we have not talked at all about Nick Cage or Sean Connery. <laughs> so oh my gosh. Nick Cage. These two guys. Um so I don't know. What are you saying? I, that, I would that, like that... to say that this is probably and I think JB and I both agreed to this or said it about the same time while we were doing the watch party is like Nick Cage made a legitimate like acting choice that enhanced the movie and probably is one of the only good like actual like professional like decisions he's ever made so gotta give him props for that well that's what i was gonna bring up that one of y'all said that uh he purposefully did not use cuss words as an actor yeah so there's there is an article i'll have to find it and send andy the link to it um he read through the script and he was like no 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 this analyst like because he was supposed to be swearing even more than the ones that he replaced he took out a bunch just all together but he was supposed to be just swearing through the whole thing and he was like this character wouldn't do that like that's not what his character would do and so on the fly ad-lib changed most of those like zeus's butthole and things while they were recording to not be slay foul swear words but to be these slaying terms that he was literally creating on the fly just go find some friggin' rockets, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, what I love so much is he, yeah, he made real choices, and he, he was an actor in this. Yeah, he did. He, he did for most of it, crazy but stuff. And you know, there's there's this great episode of Community where Abed oh, like yes. does the like, is Nicolas Cage good or okay. bad? Yeah. And oh my gosh, it goes deep. I don't know. I don't like. I don't know if y'all like have a place to come down on this. Um, I am personally on team Nicolas Cage is good because even when Nicolas Cage is bad, he is making choices, and it's right, kind right. of fun to watch the train wreck. Wait, in this movie or in general? Like all in, of general. in general. I, I mean, I'm, I like him. I legitimately like him in this movie. But you like I mean, him in he, general? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm on team good as well. Yeah, I'm on team bad. Yeah, me too. Good. We disagree. Good, good. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was the most obvious. These are the reasons why we couldn't date Andy. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it all comes down to Nick Cage. <laughs> We're going back to 1996 for everything today. Boom. Really good. The, you know, it's good we never tried to, like, go on a date to go see The Rock or Con Air because then we would have broken up, at, like, immediately after those because I would have been like, this is great. Like, let's no. go see Face Off. And you would have been like, no. no. You're giving 1996 Brooke a lot more credit than she deserves. <laughs> I'm also giving 1996 Brooke credit for going to see R-rated movies with her boyfriend, which... Also, probably would never have happened. Oh, we all know what <laughs> happened. Yeah. Isn't uh, wasn't Arnold? I remember when I watched uh, what was that that movie about Nazis? I just keep going back to Nazis. I'm sorry. Schindler's uh, List. <laughs> Swing Kids. 
Oh, Swing oh, yeah. Kids. Oh, my God. I remember when I watched that movie and I felt so guilty because it was rated PG-13. And I was like, no way. Okay because it was really worth it, but it's PG-13 and maybe I'm going to hell. Yep. It was Swing Kids. Oh, my God. It was Swing Kids. Like, <laughs> seriously, I felt First bad of all, about Swing that. Kids, wonderful. Yes. I love that movie. Yeah. Also, but, I'm pretty sure it's like rated G to my brain now. So probably, it's like, yeah. wow, that's like Swing Kids. I feel is like the Provo, Utah, late '90s starter pack. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, hey, watch this movie. It's it's kind of edgy. <laughs> and yeah. here's a Diet Coke. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Uh, but, Sorry, okay, Jamie, we so, cut you off. What were you saying? Um, yeah, well, tell us why. Tell us why Nick Cage is bad. Let's go into this. Oh, I was oh saying, God. I was saying that I thought didn't they offer this role to Arnold instead of Nicolas Cage? Oh, that that would have been horrible. And then because I think they also did the same thing where Arnold and Stallone were supposed to be in Face Off, and they. Oh, thank God that didn't happen. Yeah, and they turned all those down. I mean. I feel like the only thing you have to do is look at Nicolas Cage's uh, Face. IMDb uh, portfolio to see why. Uh, you know, I've never done that. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, I Dude, mean, there's so much good there. Come on, man. Raising Arizona, where? Moonstruck. That not because adaptation. Of adaptation. But there are, there are a lot of movies that succeeded. Leaving Las Vegas. In I love Snake Eyes, dude. Oh, you're... <laughs> no, well, I disagree there. No, I, I, oh, I really dig it. I, I are really you just trying it. to upset us? Are you on mushrooms right now? Like, I feel like something <laughs> else is going on here. Dude, Carla Gugino is so awesome in that movie. I don't care. Okay, but not Nicolas Cage. So he's yeah, got, he, he, plays, he plays the part he's supposed to play. He's got 106 movies on here. And you don't get to 106 movies being a shit actor. Five, yeah, you do. That's not true. Oh, yeah, you five, of, five of these are probably movies that are worth watching again. Maybe you're, you're just. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, he has somebody. 106 acting credits, and a bunch of them are the Untitled Joe Exotic Project. So, like, <laughs> I mean, that's no. probably where he's going to do the best. Now, I will say, <laughs> probably one, one movie. I will say, okay, I have. We all have a soft spot for The Rock. Uh, I thought Con Air was relatively entertaining. But my favorite Nicolas Cage movie, and this is a this is a hot take. Are you ready Wait, for this? Wait, can I guess? Okay, guess. Bringing Out the Dead? Yes! 100% correct, Andy, and you know exactly why that would be my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. Bringing Out yeah. the Dead? Yes. That oh, is by okay. far the best. Because Scorsese's a monster. That's he, why he, he's, he's just, he's out, so good. He brings <laughs> out people in that movie that you're like, holy crap, what is this? Now, he, he was, uh, Kick-Ass wasn't terrible either. Kick-Ass was pretty good. But, I mean, if you look at the rest of it, um, I mean, Wicker Man alone. Wicker Man is horrible. Man, oh, the Wicker Man is awful. Lord of War, Weatherman, come on. Honeymoon in Vegas, Conner, Face-Off, are cool, come on. Eight no. They're just good. His character in God in 60 Seconds, like he should have been God oh, in 60 Seconds. City of Angels, one I of the worst. That movie. Ever. I mean, Amos and Andrew, Honeymoon in Vegas, these are all just. Adaptation? Oh my God. 
I love adaptation. Whoa, 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 I really whoa. love it. You don't talk bad about adaptation. No, I will talk shit on bad adaptation. Hell, oh, no. goddamn day. Uh-uh. I love oh, that movie. God, it's psychotic. He's a it's psychopath. It's supposed to be. I, but he doesn't do it. Mm, no. Teen he Titans. Just use the word psychotic, which is what he's supposed to be. He is supposed to be psychotic, only so he doesn't do it right. No. He's like. No. Uh, Psychotic isn't supposed to be boring simultaneously. Like it, it's so strange that he can do that. Like he can make his face be so boring, and yet, like, not all there. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. He. I'll give you one a, look. I'll give you a Teen Titans Go. Also, Mark. That's yeah, it. yeah. Oh yeah, Teen yeah, Titans Go. Yeah. Yeah. In, uh, into Into the Verse, Spider Man Into the Verse. Into the Spider Verse, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's a turd. turd. Yeah, that's yeah. Nobody's gonna defend. There's so many on here, though. Like you could just like. Okay. Uh, Also terrible. Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Those were also terrible. So let's nobody can defend those. So here's here's where you run into this problem, right? Because we talked about this a few podcasts ago. Where if you look at like Tom Cruise's. Uh, IMDB bio, there are very few stinkers. And if they are, it's not because of Tom Cruise. And I would say the opposite. Have you seen of- The Mummy? Yeah. Well, there's That's one. all on Tom Cruise. Yeah, take a look at Nicolas Cage's portfolio again there, champ. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sit with him. So like, he had, saying, there are some good movies on here, but so, not because of him, in spite so of him. Here's here's what I'm saying. So let's let's do a tie break here. Tom Cruise, predominantly good movies, mostly because of him. Nicolas Cage, predominantly bad movies, mostly because of him. Sean Connery. Ah. Let's take one. a look. Let's take a look. Because yeah. Mark, I know you and I both like a ton of his movies and agree that some of them are horrible. Yes. <laughs> right. He has so, some major turds, especially in the seventies. <laughs> he really does. Yeah. Well said. Um, but I mean, Zardoz alone. We, Zardoz. We about. Zardoz would have killed most careers and did a lot of them. So um, I, I can't believe he survived that. I think Mark raises a really good point where Nicolas Cage has pockets of, of good movies and then pockets of turd. And I think that's probably more common in actors than the Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise sort of we just pick really good films for ourselves, right? Right, right. So I agree with that. So to Mark's point of view, look at you got Diamonds Are Forever and then you've got eight years of wow, are you serious? Like Zardoz, the man who would be king, Robin mm. and Marion, right? Then then you come back to Time Bandits, which saves his career to me. I, and Outland. Outland yes. is pretty good too. Um, hey, yeah. I, I didn't mind it. I mean, it had his moments. Highlander, Name of the Rose, Untouchables, Presidio, right? So then he's back at it. Indiana Jones, Last Crusade, Red October, right? Then he's in Robin Hood. I've, okay. Uh, That's a cameo. That's not really a role. That's yeah, like Rising yeah. Sun, Just Cause, First Night. Ugh. Um, mm. Then he was Draco in Dragonheart, which I... <laughs> Was awful. I am hey, the no, last one. I, I like it. I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's, it I'm gonna right. admit to it. I like I like Dragon Heart. By, by <laughs> then, by then though, it's it's Connery, right? By the right. by the nineties, yeah. it's just he's he's grandfather. He's just being Connery. So right. I yeah. think Mark, to your point, uh, 60s Connery, tremendous. 70s Connery, wow, horrible. 
eighties Connery, welcome back. Nineties Connery basking in my glory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's some terrible movies in here, but not because of him. Like Rising Sun and Medicine Man, not my favorite movies, but but he he did well, right? The Avengers, oh, but, oh my gosh, the Avengers, the poor Avengers, that was oh. horrible. But he yeah. was he was really good, right? So so I think Mark, you're right on. Where Nicholas Cage, same thing. Early Cage, great. Um, then there was the the slow period. Then there was Action Cage, which was great. Then there was whatever Cage, right? And then there's animated cage and he's back and we right. love him. And doing so That's the only way his face gets any animation. So I, think, I think that leads to what Andy wanted to ask at the beginning, which is for Sean Connery's birthday, right? Yeah. What are y'all's best and worst Sean Connery films? And Andy, do you want to start? Because I feel like you already have. Um, I mean, yeah. Can I just say for, for one minute, it's really weird to me that JB is the one keeping all of us on track right now. Yeah, good job, JB. I'm, well I'm, the only, I'm the one on the time frame. That was well done. <laughs> yeah, Do, I'm you're... the only one with the time constraints. That's why. Sorry about that. Okay, there we go. Uh, so, um, worst, uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, well said. I don't think yeah. it's the worst. It is horrible, though. I will. I will put it down as the worst because I. I because there was no need for him to come out of retirement to play Alan Quartermain. Um, but was this performance you know, really that bad as compared to Zardoz? Yeah, like over Zardoz? We're talking yeah. about performances, not the, the content of the movie itself, because he has no control over direction or editing. Mm, I'm still... I would... I think I would rather watch Zardoz again yeah, over talk. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, I genuinely just... thought maybe you were talking about a different actor because I didn't understand how you could pick anything besides Zardoz. Yeah. So really? I didn't. Yeah. So there's, no, a, there's just... at least deft to Alan Quartermain as a character that he brings to the movie. The movie's horrible, but he does bring some depth to it. In Zardoz, even his reactions. Just think about how that movie ended. Oh my god, everything about it is horrible. It is. I mean, it is horrible, but what I'm saying is I like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen even less. Like Zardoz is a notoriously bad movie. I'm saying League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is worse. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so what's your best? So yeah, you can disagree. Um best. Um it's so hard. Because if if I go classic Connery, if I'm going for performance, I'll probably do um, from Russia with love. Hmm. But if I'm doing and but if I'm if I'm doing like content, then I'd probably go Goldfinger. If I'm doing later Connery, probably. Untouchables yeah. or Last Crusade. Um, okay. I think so. Those are the top, yeah. those are my top three. I think Last Crusade is his most enjoyable role. Untouchables is his best, and Goldfinger is his iconic role. Mm. Right? Even though Red October, yeah. I mean, the Russian Red October is great too. Yeah, but the Russia thing is what gets me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then you know you've got the the ones from the childhood. I see. I really liked. They're not my super favorite, but 
I thought he was great in From Russia with Love, or um, from the Russia House and Anderson tapes. The Russia House is great. I mean, because hmm. he's so good in those kind of like those really slow thrillers from the seventies, uh, um, the the seventies vibe. Because I thought Rush House was, even though it was like nineteen ninety, it was a much older vibe, right? So I thought he was great in both of those, and um, so yeah, Mark, I'm with, I'm with you on that. I think some of those those sort of slower spy films he was he was really good into and um and not darby o'gill guys i'm gonna give an unpopular opinion here <laughs> I, I don't even think his, his bond work uh is his best work of the 60s uh there's this movie if y'all haven't seen it called marnie it's an alfred hitchcock movie and he plays a heavy uh who's an actual rapist like he puts in some work there man like y'all have to see it and i think that might might have been his best work in the 60s but i'll take the rapist for 500 <laughs> I'll take the rapist for 500 alex uh but for me his best work uh ever was at the end of his career with finding forrester that's it, mine yeah, i it, love you marco you're the man now dog yeah, you're you're the man now dog if you haven't seen this movie do yourself a favor this is he himself I, has said that it's his favorite role and it's my favorite role because he brings just so much to that movie. There is so much emotion that he that he shows in this movie. Um, it, it just and it's so beautiful. The message of the movie is fantastic. Um, Punch the keys. It's it's yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's my favorite my favorite with him. As for the worst, it, it doesn't point. get any worse than Zardoz, y'all. It just does not because. He's not even phoning it in. His reactions uh, to other characters are off. Uh, he's just very odd throughout the entire movie. Like, he's not even sure what he's supposed to be doing. That whole movie just makes no sense. It has to be one of the worst movies ever made, and that's definitely his worst. Yeah, I agree with that. I have Zardoz as his absolute worst, um, and uh, there just isn't there's just anything... Did you have it. Did you have Finding Forrester? But too? I had Finding Forrester and Untouchables in my in my top for him. Finding Forrester, like his performance throughout it and the emotions that it brings out in me, is just so much more connective and stronger than his other work. Um, although I like his other work, I like the feel of it. Um, I liked uh, Russia House. I liked Untouchables. Like, there's really good work out there, but the connection with Finding Forrester. Like that's one that I still have on DVD floating around my house, and I I love it. I love it. I I have another JB story about finding Forrester. (laughs) I came up I came up to your place uh, when you were living um, like right next to the Pi, right next to the U campus. Yep, on the in the condo. Yeah, and I showed up, and you're like, "Have you seen Finding Forrester?" And I'm like, "Oh, the You're the Man Now dog movie." And you're like, "No, no, no, sit down and watch this." <laughs> and I sat down and I watched it, and I'm like, "Holy shit, that's a good movie!" Yeah, fantastic and, uh, movie. Yeah. So, thank you, JB, for uh, making me see past my, you know, the the meme that that overtook the movie. Well, uh, it had like that. just come out on DVD. And did we go to the pod like, or did we go to B and D? That helped too. <laughs> I so. can't remember which one we went to. We might have gone to B and D Burgers, which always makes for a good pre-movie. Yeah, something like that. So. Um, well, and 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 I I think that 
you know, you you can do this. I'm looking at the Ed Harris filmography too, um, oh. and I, I mean, he's got he's got some great. I think he's got a little more cruise than I expected. Yeah, um, yeah, he does. Because I mean, Right Stuff, Abyss, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, which is one of my all time favorite. Oh, films. he's so good in that. Yeah, History of really Violence, good. which I liked more than I expected. Oh my gosh. Snowpiercer, which Mark can't stand. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, it's it's all good. Uh, I love you train. already know that, or did you just know? He's fucking with me, and I hate him. <laughs> we talked about yeah. we knew we knew he hated it this movie called national treasure where he unfortunately lost to some nicholas cage guy um i mean he was the hero of that movie though yeah he was there there's violence there's there's a lot of i mean so it's to your point uh mark there's movies where he's not carrying it you know i think he he plays the the sixth man off the bench a lot better so most, a lot of his like mm-hmm. beautiful mind, um, you know, Truman oh, Show. Truman but, but, Show. Uh, if you haven't seen Pollock, oh, he's what great. he does Pollock. in that movie is nothing short of amazing, man. And directs it and produces yeah, it. Like, exactly, yeah. Him, he, him from Soup to Nuts. Um, so anyway, uh, probably more of, and and not not the best in terms of around it, but I thought he was great in Gone Baby Gone, uh, even hmm. though you know unfortunately he was also in pain and gain which was one of my least favorite movies <laughs> of all time. but um yeah so this movie again i was just going back to i don't know that the rock necessarily launched a lot of these roles but i don't know that we'll ever see again a movie that has 22 excellent you know character actors in a movie you know what i mean like just chock full of people God that he was a Nixon. Nixon didn't forget. He was also in Mother, <laughs> which Andy loves. Oh, he oh does. My gosh. <laughs> oh, I hate that movie so much. It's, a, it's Andy's Snowpiercer. It is. <laughs> and you know what? I don't mind Mother. I don't think it was the greatest thing in the world, but I don't think it's horrible. Andy would totally throw that Mother from the train. <laughs> he would. <laughs> okay. I would. Before I would. forget. I throw Darren Aronofsky from a train. Before Actually, I, I shouldn't though. say that. He's on the board of my workplace. I could get oh, fired say for that. saying that. So before <laughs> I forget, though, we've got to talk about the the music thing. The so, playlist. Yeah. Do you want to leave? Yeah, we got it. We definitely have to talk about that. So okay. So we got we got to talk about Tony Todd, and um, yeah, let me okay. Let me cue this up. Beep 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 beep. Presenting the John Madsen report. John Madsen left us a note on uh, our anchor.fm site. If you would like to leave us a voice message, you can do that and we might play it here on the air, just like we're going to do here with John. Uh, and we're going to give us a sample gonna... size of more than one so we can choose which one to play. Yeah. Come on, people. Um, but please, yes, leave us your voicemails and we'll and we'll play them here. So let's let's play this and then and then we'll listen to it. Tell me. Do you have any Elton John records? I don't like any of that soft-ass shit. Some of Elton's work is really out of this world, like track 5, Rocket Man, on Honky Chateau. Isn't that Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting? No, that's a couple of albums later on Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Go get Honky Chateau, then go to track 5, Rocket Man. I think
think Captain Fry has it on CD. No, it sounds better on vinyl. Get it on vinyl and go to track five, the song called Rocket Man. That's you. I'm Elton John? No, you're the person he's singing about. The Rocket Man. You're the Rocket Man. I'm going to shoot you with this rocket sitting in front of you. Hey, isn't that the song Shatner sang at the 1978 Saturn Award? Ah, I'm being in the process of being shot by a rocket. <laughs> Tell me, do you have any Elton John oh, records? there we go. Sorry, it was it was looping. <laughs> you looped. Sorry, <laughs> uh, thank you, John, oh, like for that, that lovely reading. Last bit. Oh. It's you, John. You're the rocket man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so... Tony Todd does not like any of that soft-ass shit, which begs the question, if he's not listening to soft-ass shit, what does his character listen to? So, presenting uh, the first ever uh, Captain Captain Darrow's mixtape circa 1996. Uh, The only rules are no, no songs post- June 1996 when this movie was released this had to have been on a mixtape that Captain Darrow listened to that does not contain soft ass shit uh what do you what do you folks got I'll go first okay all right so oh wait shit 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 um I've never heard I forgot of to check I forgot to check the date on one that song hip-hop. Uh, okay, that's okay. Um, let me see. Uh... I got into that too. I had a problem. I wanted. I was like, "Oh, it should have like DMX okay, Rough Riders anthem," okay. and I'm like, "No, no, no, so, that was two years too late." I was so, like, "There's um... no way this song," but I, it was the one that I didn't check. So, like, I know he says he doesn't like soft ass shit, but that rocky exterior of his, he's hiding some stuff in there. So, my playlist. That he's listening to starts with End of the Road by Boys to Men. Then <laughs> he jumps straight to Master and Servant by Depeche Mode. The Freaks Come Out at Night by Houdini. Dude, that is... by Tool. Closer by Nine Inch Nails. And then he dips down to Cold Hearted Snake by Paula Abdul. Oh my God. With the Beautiful People of Marilyn Manson. Hooker with a Penis by Tool. Rat in a Cage by Smashing Pumpkins. Fuck the Police by NWA. Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. And then, just to end it off right, I Will Always Love You by Whitney. <laughs> okay, I missed one of those in there. What was the first Tool song that you said? The first Tool song is Prison Sex. <laughs> Prison Sex. Okay, good. Oh, my God. that That is a great mixtape right there. Wow. That is, that's his list. It doesn't scream Darrow to me, man. Are you okay. kidding? Okay, Mark, what, what's yours then? All right. My uh, mix CD for Mr. Darrow is Shoot by Salt and Pepper. Juicy mm-hmm. by Biggie. Panic uh, Zone by NWA. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster by the Ghetto Boys. Oh, that's uh, no Diggity by Blackstreet. Fuck the Police by NWA. Uh, Poison by Bell Biv DeVoe. Straight Out of Compton by NWA. And we're going to wrap it up with Gin and Juice by Snoop Dogg. All right. Well, that's. 
pretty soft list there, Marco. Dude, that is, that, come on, man. No, that's a wow. We're talking some OG rap, man. Going go into the club with his bling on, like, nah, yeah. man. Oh. I don't see you. Y'all had way more than I did. I only brought like two or three. Um, so uh, that's I don't know, JB. Do you want to? Do you want to go, or should I? You know, it's it's really funny because I actually found. Um, a, a list of some of the songs that he's tweeted about. Oh, and, no way. Oh, really? That no Tony way. Todd actually has tweeted about. He is a huge rock and roll fan. He loves the Beatles. Uh, he loved Rock My and the World, which is the one I would have brought. Because I think that's perfect for him. Uh, Heart and Bones by Paul Simon. He loves no his old R&B. And that's what I would have gone with him. I would have gone like Curtis Mayfield, Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to put some Marvin Gaye on, but I went with Whitney. He's got Sail On by the Commodores. He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. Um, Betty Carter, <laughs> Dean Martin. So those are legit. You can find it. It's uh, um, Candyman Wields Bees, but Tony Todd Rocks the Beatles is an article from March of this year. And it nice. talks about some of the stuff he actually um, has uh, tweeted about because I, you know, he's, I think he's also done some. I don't know if he's done Broadway, but uh, with his voice, you know, the guy's got to have a great yeah. singer. Yes, so, he does. And, uh, so that's what that's like. He's got a tweet on Instagram. Um, he's got Pretty Woman, American Pie. He's in front of a, one of those old uh, record players in the booth that you can pick from. So it's it's got uh, the Vogues. It's got Gary Puckett. It's got Mamas and the Papas. Huh. Rhapsody by Queen. Uh, I almost put pour some sugar on me just for a candy band oh, throwback. That le- well, <laughs> a pretty woman got the Beach Boys. Anyway, so the Tony Todd in real life apparently a big uh, R and B rock and roll kind of guy. So um, that's probably what I would have brought um, about that. Wow, that's, that's funny. Uh... When Chip and I started dating, he used to say, "Well, he still says it all the time." He's like, "Heavy." He ain't heavy. He's my brother. And every time he says that, I look at him and I'm like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. <laughs> I know it's a song. I, I get that part of it, but that's funny. That's on his list. Okay. Uh, so um, I do have uh, uh, some stuff that is a little bit softer, but I think would probably still be Darrow approved. Um Rick James, Give It To Me Baby. Nice. Uh, the Jam Band, You Dropped a Bomb On Me. Oh, damn. Uh, and, um, uh, and and Dr. Dre from the Friday soundtrack, Keep Their Heads Ringing. Nice. Um, nice. Just because uh, so, the product yeah. placement of any song ever. He talks about Colgate. He's <laughs> 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 got more product references than any song I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and um, and uh, keeping it keeping it West Coast because uh, they're right across the bay from Oakland. There, uh, keeping it with um, with Tupac and California Love. Oh, nice. So the there we go. I'm surprised yep. you didn't go too short if you were going Oakland. No, uh, I mean we we could go. So you know, I don't know. I think Pimpology would probably be on his list. But yeah, that that could work. Yeah. Yeah, 
Anyway, so, I will put a detachable penis on mine, but... <laughs> detachable penis. That's such a, little, a great song. King Missile never, never bothered anyone's play. Awesome. Uh, okay, I'm going to put all of those. Everybody send me uh, your list, and I'm going to put a Spotify playlist together and um, leave a link to it in the show notes here. So everyone can go listen to... Uh, that is going to be my Monday morning go-to. Lieutenant Darrow's uh, No Soft Ass Shit mixtape on, uh, on, on Spotify. So there we go. Okay. I think that brings us to, uh, to the end here, unless folks have any, any more. Yeah. Well, so we're, we're going to go through all of, our, all of our normal stuff. So starting with the box office. This was the number three movie of 1996. Uh, the number one movie. Anyone? Anyone want to guess? Of '96, Romeo and yeah. Juliet. No, that was that <laughs> wasn't in the top ten. That wasn't the top ten. But um, th- this was. Uh, these were all summer movies. Again? The number one movie, uh, of course, Independence Day. Independence Day. Yeah. There you go. Uh, number two. Uh, Twister. Twister, yeah. Number three, Mission Impossible. Excellent. Number four, The Rock. Number five, The Nutty Professor. And they came out Independence Day. Okay, so here's here's how they went. Twister was the 10th of May. Mission Impossible, the 21st of May. The Rock was the 7th of June. The Nutty Professor, the 28th of June. And Independence Day, the 2nd of July. So. I'm- I'm surprised Scream wasn't on there, but maybe that's what uh, it was end of the year, I think. Mm. Scream I, was I think... end of the year. I still haven't seen some of those movies. Yeah. This was crazy. I looked at when I looked at like the top fifty box office movies for nineteen ninety six, I'm like, I have seen all but two of these. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't seen Independence Day or Twister. What? Oh, wow. What? Wow. This was the the English patient year, right? Uh, yes. Was it? Wasn't it? Monkeys came out in the early year and it was way better of... Was that English patient year? Yeah, this was... I think this was English patient and um, People versus Larry Flint. Um, Mm. I think Jerry... Wasn't Jerry Maguire? Um, I think this was Jerry Maguire, yes. But now I'm... Now I'm questioning myself if English patient... Yeah, English Patient oh, came out yeah, in November 96. of '96. Yep. Yeah, huh. yeah. It's there we go. It's on two right now. Yeah. Well, it's, it was uh, not in the top fifty box office though, so I was like, I was not. It wasn't top of my mind immediately. But okay. Down, so down Periscope was speaking of Bond-like movies. Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this this was the number this was the number four movie of 1996. Okay. It made 134 million, which adjusted for inflation is 276. Wow! So um, that's a that's a spicy meatball. Yeah. But that, um, spicy meatball. wasn't it like 400 worldwide? Because it did really well uh, overseas, right? Yeah, three three thirty six worldwide. Yeah. Standard Michael Bay so, does really well in China, um, Asia Pacific, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think this was before a lot of those markets were even open um or or open as much um so he 
he still made the mo uh you know most of the money uh domestically but yeah made over 200 million dollars overseas so um he did he did really well uh you know over overseas with with this movie about the american military yeah. so there we go um so yeah this was a this was a big this was a big deal and i think what's most interesting about this was I named off those other four movies. Uh, they're they're all PG thirteen. This was the only R rated one. And I think what was interesting was you know we like compare the nineteen ninety six box office to the twenty nineteen box office. And most of these movies, with the exception of uh, Mission Impossible were not designed to be franchise movies. Right. You know, this was how they did it. This was, even though a lot of these would eventually get sequels, um, this was, you know, you make a movie and it's a big tentpole blockbuster and that's where you make all your money and that's it. You don't have to, it's not about merchandising. It's not about, building an expansive movie universe it's not about making seven of them you just make a single movie and that's it and that's good enough right and uh that's crazy that we've you know we've changed so much that like um you know they make they made this movie for 75 million dollars made 330 uh these days they would make this movie for 250 million dollars but only if they could you know have three or four of them when when all said and done right and you know i don't know i think that's uh that's crazy and that's i don't know it's just you know how much everything has changed in in 20 years can we so. just talk about how completely insane it is that Independence Day made eight hundred and twenty million dollars in the theater? That's insane. Yeah. When I mean that, if you watch that movie again, you're going, "What was I thinking?" It was cool at the time, man. It really was. It was like uh, yeah. all of their movies, the day after tomorrow. All those you watch them and you're going, "Wow, it looks cold." And then you watch it two years later, like, oh, you should have stayed in Donnie Darko. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. And yeah, it made, I mean, it made 300 million domestic. It made, which adjusted, again, adjusted for inflation is 630. That would have still been like the number three movie last year if Independence Day had come out last year. And that's up against like, the Lion King and Avengers and all that other stuff. So that's that's crazy. Everybody went and saw Independence Day multiple times. Yeah, um, it was one of those. Yeah. yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, it like all of these were like event movies. Like I remember people talking about Twister. Like you have to go see it. You have to go see these these special effects. Uh, and you know, I, I feel like people said that about independence day too. Um, so not, they did not say that about independence day too. They said that about independence day 
as well. Not Independence Day. About Independence also, Day too, they said, "What a fucking pile of shit! How dare they?" <laughs> you should have stayed in Donnie Darko. Just <laughs> really funny. Oh, that was. All you right. Know, uh-uh. You have you have really good f word timing there, Nicholas Cage. Well done. You're welcome. <laughs> or no, if I were if I were uh, Nicholas Cage, I'd be like, "You're welcome." That movie so. was. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So, uh, do we have favorite side characters in this movie? Who's every oh, man? Wow. I mean, it's hard, but you know. Well, that's only that's... a semi, but that's okay. Um, not quite as hard. I'm going to go with... Semi? Just the semi. Just the semi. I mean, define side character, right? Because really there's two main characters and then a whole bunch of kind Everyone of main There's three main characters. Who's, who's the third? Who's the it's, third? It's Connery, Cage, and Harris. Those are the three main characters. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yes. Come on. Okay. I mean. I mean. He. Yeah. He's the villain. I guess. He's the antagonist. He's no. the antagonist. The and you have Connery and Cage sharing the role of protagonist. I mean. Yeah. Okay. Ed Harris has more screen time than Sean Connery, so that's true. But the whole point mm-hmm. of the movie is Sean Connery. I thought the whole point of the movie was to well, tell yeah. Andy who Claire Forlani was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorite side character is. Um, well, I think my favorite side character was William Forsyth because he's like the, the clever FBI guy who really knows what's going on and, um, you know, really hams it up. So I think he had the most fun in the movie. My favorite side character is it's got to be, it's got to, well, David Morse is great, but it's got to be Candyman, right? Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Um, so uh, Candyman and uh, David Morse. But Candyman, not Claire Forlani. Sorry, Claire. Sorry, Claire. You were good in that one scene, but not. She was there for like five seconds. It doesn't. Sorry, sorry, Claire Danes. I mean Forlani. I'd have to agree that it has to be Captain Darrow. Um, I mean uh, Tom Baxter, damn good side character. But if I had to, if I had a gun in the head, I would go with Captain Darrow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if 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 I can pick. You know, one from each side. I'll go. I'll go. Ah. Captain Darrow, and then a Candyman, Tony Todd, and then uh, John Spencer, as uh, you know, as the head of the FBI. So. Can Can we also shout out to Stanley Anderson, who played the president, who I never knew was the president because he didn't really look like a president. He looked like Ulysses S. Grant to me, who played Drew Carey's dad on the Drew Carey Show. So shout out! Oh, to I you. totally forgotten that. Wow. Yeah, also, me too. Born, also born in Montana. So suck it, everyone who hates Montana. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, Brooke, what about have... Anthony Clark as the barber? Uh, oh, Paul the barber. I'm just crazy, y'all. Yeah. That was pretty. That was a pretty solid he, role. He's that, that's terribly stereotypical. Did they tell Picasso no brush? Yeah. <laughs> Doing a lot with a little, but very, very you're broad. Good, you're good old-fashioned, stereotypical uh, Michael Effeminate, Baker. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. like let's throw a gay barber in there. That'll be good. Let's do that. We need chuckles. You know, the yeah. worst part is I can totally see him <laughs> saying that in the production <laughs> meeting. Like, hey guys, we need a gay barber. Oh God, Michael, what's wrong with you? <laughs> no, just go with me here. It's important. <sighs> yeah. Okay, Brooke, favorite side characters? Uh, Candyman. Okay. Uh, and we have said his name enough times that I, if Tony Todd doesn't appear on this podcast, I'm going to be kind of pissed. Yeah, we're all going to die. What do you think Melissa's favorite side character would be? Uh, uh, Tony Todd. Uh, yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, I completely skipped over studio notes. Do we have studio notes on this movie? Oh, man. There's so many of them. <laughs> Okay. A new director. <laughs> I don't know. I think Michael Bay is kind of the secret no, sauce here. Um. Honestly, no. I don't know that I would change this movie. I wouldn't. Eat. I feel like it is like perfect in its imperfections, and it needs like if you start changing or messing with anything, it's just going to crumble and become something totally different. And it needs to exist as it is. I think more Aaron Sorkin. Script writing and this would have been good. Um, oh man, that would have made the movie like six hours long. I know, <laughs> lots of walking and talking. Lots of walking and talking. <laughs> um, my my favorite studio note is Sean Connery had them build a cabin for him on Alcatraz, so he didn't have to travel back to the mainland every day, and they legitimately built him one. Oh, so, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So I, I, I mean, I guess that's a studio note. Yeah. Build me a fucking cabin. Sean <laughs> <laughs> fucking Connery. There's a gay one. Let's see there. I, I know he, he had a really hard time with the, he's like, I'll never shoot in a city again because it, it took him like two weeks to get the permits and everything. Oh, how is the trolley guy not Andy's favorite side character? Okay. Oh, yeah. I completely skipped over the trolley guy, and we and we skipped over the entire car chase too. Okay, yeah. go back to the yeah. The trolley guy is my <laughs> favorite side character. <laughs> <laughs> the cable car driver is my favorite. Yeah. What? And those have he has your two favorite lines, right? Uh, um, yeah, a couple of them. Yeah. What, what are his? There's the. I, I got now. I got to look that up. I was not prepared for that. Give me some more studio notes. Third time Michael Bine has been a Navy SEAL. Can you name the other two movies? He the is Abyss. A... Yep. And uh, you'll kick yourself. Does Aliens count? He was well, a corporal. Yes. Yeah. Alien does count, right? Nope. No. He was a... No, he was a corporal, and he was not a Navy SEAL. Oh, he was they're, they're Marines. Yeah, they're Marines. That's true. So, what was the second movie he was a Navy SEAL in, other than The Abyss? You're gonna kick yourself. Uh, You're gonna kick yourself. Shut up! Shut up! Let me think. Charlie. Um, The Terminator. Nope. No, they, no? they weren't okay. Navy SEALs. The movie I don't is know. called Navy SEALs. Oh fuck! No. <laughs> <laughs> That was actually you're, something that was in my head. I'm like, was yeah, maybe you're a dick. I'm a speed. total jackass. Um, I apparently Ed Harris thought the tour guide at Alcatraz was hilarious. So if you watch it, it's just him trying not to laugh the whole time behind the guy because he's like, I just thought that dude was hilarious. So, um, let's see what else was there. Uh, 
uh, he didn't want Nicholas Cage to be naked. Um, he, he thought Nicholas wanted to just show off his body. Uh, but Cage was like, well, I wanted it to feel like I was at home. So I was naked playing my guitar. And Michael was like, fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> that was a really uh, good Cage impersonation. Was, I know he was really mad at the second unit because of the dummy that falls out of the mine cart. Remember we were laughing about that? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. So that was apparently not him. Um, let's see. Is there anything else? Um, Nicholas Cage thought he looked like a Japanese schoolboy in his school gear while the other actors all looked cool and badass. Michael Bay says he did that intentionally. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like, that's the point. Yeah. Um, I mean... He, Michael Bay's always mad that he's like, why are the boilers working when no one's used to this island for years? And then he's like, fuck it, it's entertaining. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, that's sense. exactly it. Um, yeah. Stanley, oh, I did not know this. Stanley Anderson also played the president in Armageddon. Oh, okay. Anyway. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's just a whole bunch of it. There's just lots of fun. But give me your, uh, what other studio notes do you all have? There's just, um, I mean, there's I'm I'm saving one for Mark that I think he wants, but that's my only studio. I only have nah, one. You, you take it. Um, Latino representation, please. Yeah, like you uh, know, how can you have a Mexican standoff without a Mexican character in it? Yeah. You had him. You could have held on to him at the end. But yeah. yeah, you know, give 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 some more. You know. We could have we could have shared those around, you know, yeah. So yeah. well, Michael Pena wasn't around back then. That's why. <laughs> Can you imagine Michael Pena in this movie? <laughs> Michael Pena as his as his character from uh, Ant Man, like just oh explaining this movie. That he would make it way out, of a, <laughs> out of the shower room. <laughs> That would have been awesome. So, like, these seals, right? They're, they're showing up on the island, and there's, like, this crazy chemical weapons. Like, crazy, crazy chemical weapons. And they look like anal beads? <laughs> <laughs> they look like anal beads, man. But you do not want to. You do not want that up your pooper. You do not want to <laughs> fuck with that. That's what happens. <laughs> weapons of ass destruction. <laughs> oh. Thank you. Thank Ouch. You. I'm here. I'm here. Well, apparently they were based on the the stuff from Iraq, weren't they? Were they? Didn't they say that's what they tried to base them off of, was some of the descriptions of those of those weapons? I don't know. Uh, that's what I thought. I'm, I'm sure in, like, some alternate universe maybe, but, yeah. I'm gonna look, I don't I'm know. Gonna look that up while we're talking. Um, yeah. What's this? So, one of the things I remember uh, in film class, because I accidentally took some film classes, Michael Bay has, Hey, like, me too! He has, like, the worst average shot length in history I believe that. yeah like hitchcock was nine seconds per shot spielberg's is like seven uh paul thomas anderson's some ungodly amount like like two minutes or 15 or something and michael bays is like 2.6 <laughs> yeah and I think like 2.5 which i think after you watch something like mad max fury road and you realize how great what a great director really does with a camera you go right oh, i should be getting epilepsy watching this right yeah <laughs> so yeah it's crazy so yeah anyway michael bay y'all more 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 uh latino uh it, 
what, no, uh, I mean, there's really no, you, you can do a lot with this movie, Studio Notes wise, right? I mean, there is there, you need more female representation other than, yeah, than what we got. Yeah. Although, as Brooke pointed out, it is pretty much a dick flick. It is a dick flick. Right. And, like, I understand having more female representation. I think they could have in the analytics and things, but also. I don't see the point of like forcing women in where it wouldn't make sense at the same time. Well, and if we put more women into a Michael Bay movie, like what's going to happen to them? Like, what right. are they going to like wash a car and like bend over so you can shoot their ass? Like, but you could have had the, the ops director have been a woman. William Forsythe's character could right. have been there's, there are there are places that it could have happened. I I will say one of the studio notes I would have said was uh, the scene where <laughs> where uh, Sean Connery goes walking through all the hostages in their cells, and they're all like, "Hey man, why don't you give us a hand? Hey guy, hey hey Mister, what are you doing?" And they're all like, kind of like kind of cheery. And not like desperately trying to get his attention to get them the fuck out of there. I thought that was a really weird choice. Yeah. I don't know. He had to have his like Jesus moment though. All right. Here it is. In 2016, the Chilcott report on Britain's involvement in toppling Saddam Hussein noted that one agent had falsified claims about absorbing weapons of mass destruction in Iraq basing his description of them on the nerve gas missiles featured in the rock. Oh my God. See, now that, that I, I believe. believe. Yeah. I, had like, the, I had it the other way around. Yeah, you had it the other way yeah. around, which I, I wasn't going to yeah. believe, but th- what you're reading, I completely believe. Isn't that, it, right. isn't that crazy though? Gosh. Yeah. No, not, not crazy because I, because I was about to say, I'm like Saddam never had like no, actually the stuff this advanced. Like, he had like mustard gas and like and like he he gassed the the Kurds like that happened. Right. But he didn't, you know, this this is science fiction. Like he never had anything like this. So or anything that needed to be like that um, ornate, right. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. Anyway, that's that's not at all surprising. OK. Um, any more studio notes? Okay, uh, best tech or gadgets? The anal beads. <laughs> <laughs> it, just in general, or in um, yeah, the you rocket was cool. Uh, the rocket that killed the uh, candy man was cool. Yeah. Because he's the rocket man. Because he's the rocket man. Yeah. Um, I will go with uh, the... I will go with the Ferrari um, because oh, that was that was that was just fun. The trolley car. Like, I would. Dude, I would go. You with just the, fucked a Ferrari. I'm gonna go it's with not the, mine. The Christmas ornament that only the Latino guy can hear. Because <laughs> <laughs> what what was the what was the thing you guys were talking about during the watch party? Like it was the the like a super secret. Um, Oh, I can't remember, but anyway. No, it's like it's like he had like Spidey sense. He's like, oh, yeah. something's gonna happen. Yeah. It's like, um, everybody, whoa, okay, quiet. I can hear something from the yeah. sewer grate. Yeah, that was my favorite tech, the, yeah. the movable orb. Yeah, that something's poor Ferrari. 
I thought the trolley was pretty good tech too, though. Trolley's pretty good too. Yeah, cable cars. Those Shout are out. fun. Take a Shout out to Andy. next time you go to San Francisco. Go on a well after COVID's over, of course. But go go on a cable car. They're fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, best one-liners or quotes. Uh, oh, man, so, so speaking big. speaking of that, that's my. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's because uh, you reminded me of the cable cars. We're going to crash. Save yourselves. Oh, my baby. <laughs> part where he's swearing at the guy. He's like, damn it, this sucks. Where's that son of a bitch now? I'm going to hunt him down. That motherfucker ain't safe anywhere. <laughs> that's what it was. Uh, that's my favorite Disney movie line right there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, this movie distributed by Disney and Buena Vista Pictures. So, Disney movie. Yeah, Disney movie. I mean, not really, but they but they made a bunch of money off of it. So they didn't make it, but they distributed it. Okay, other favorite lines. There's so many of them here. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Yeah, I like the I love pressure. I eat it for breakfast. Yeah. Um, All I care about is, are you happy with your haircut? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Uh, I will not give that order. Yeah, just was going to say that was uh, you brought that up earlier. Yeah. Um, That's probably my favorite line over uh, winners. Fuck the prom queen. Even over uh, soft ass. Carla was the prom queen. Yeah, even even over uh, soft shit. Yeah, I just that whole scene really does it for me. I think you know. In hindsight, I wonder. My favorite Nicolas Cage line is the perfect Nicolas Cage line, where where she goes, "You didn't mean what you said about bringing the child into the world," and he's like, "Well, I meant it at the time," and she goes, "At the time," and he says, in the perfect Nicolas Cage way, "Well, gosh." kind of a lot's happened since then right <laughs> i think that's the epitome of all of nicholas cage's acting in one line right in there. one line in no one. i think i i think the other like perfect nicholas cage line is you know i like history too john and maybe when this is all over you and i can <laughs> stop by the souvenir shop together but right that now was- i just i just want to find some rockets that was pretty good <laughs> that was one of my favorites Honey, uh, you want to know who really killed JFK? Yeah. Oh, Nick Cage lines. They're yep. all. I think terrible. we'd like to have God on our side at this moment, don't you? Like, uh. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> it's you. You're the You're rocket, the rocket man. man. How do you like how that shit worked? Yeah. <laughs> they all sound better coming out of your mouth. Sorry. Uh-huh. Sorry Nick. That's because JB has a purdy mouth. Nick Cage. <laughs> it's stunning. He does. What? He does. Stunning spice right there. Okay. Uh is is that it for one liners and quotes? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Brooke, um if if Mason is actually James Bond. This movie proves the Poseidon theory super well, right? Oh, yeah. Super well. Hands down. Yeah. This is a super Poseidon movie. So, is this a good James Bond movie or a bad James Bond movie? The best. 
Yeah. It's a good no, James it, Bond movie. If it, if it is a James Bond movie, it's a good James Bond movie. This may be yeah. where he's the best ethical Bond ever. Like ever. his yes. character has no like no ethical flaws. I mean, other than he kills people, but like he took it, he did what his country asked. He took the punishment for them, knowing that he would be deceived, right? He helps mm-hmm. out everybody, he tries to save everybody's life. Um, and all because he wants to develop a relationship with his forlorn daughter forlorn with his claire forlani daughter yeah you know this movie would be the perfect bond movie if bond was a kite and not an asset because if he was a kite then the government wouldn't give a shit if he was caught behind borders and imprisoned that would have been perfect but bond is an asset and there's no way they're gonna let him get caught without him dying or without them killing him so yeah it would have been awesome but i mean yeah really not a bond film but but by by the premise by the bit by the premise by so yeah, exactly yeah but yes if this if this is a james bond movie and we assume that mason is bond then yes mason is a good person, a good person. whereas james bond is generally ethically great he he makes moral choices in this movie right so right. yeah and he's supposed and to be 83 is that what this I believe that's what it's. He's supposed to be eighty-three years old in this. Is he? Yeah, I thought that. No. I mean, be eighty-three. I figured he was just supposed to be like his own age, like late sixties. I don't know. Mid mid to late sixties. Yeah. Oh, so the the theory is that his character is an older version of his own Bond character. However, if he had last played Bond in the early eighties. He would have had to have been 83 years old if if that were to have held true. Shut up, JB. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know how that math works out. I don't know. I mean, I can see any strategic being, spice. I, I, can see, <laughs> I can see him being early 80s in this. He's got the he's got he he's got math the spice. <laughs> Take a seat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's it. That's it for the rock. Um, that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, next we are minutes of content about the rock in there. At least 30 minutes about the, of content about the rock. There's also Candyman and, um, yeah, various things about Provo in the nineties. So, that, that's what this podcast is now. It's not. It's not about James Bond at all. It's about Provo in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> so, so thanks for joining us for that, Mark. You're you're very helpful in that. In that yeah, sense. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Y'all got to have Latin representation. You're doing better yeah. than Bay, <laughs> right? <laughs> so. And I'm a woman. <laughs> you got your two tokens, Andy. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's, that's that's why I have you favorite, both here. That's my new favorite line from The Rock, by the way. And I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> that was so transcendent. <laughs> All right. Uh, so next up, uh, we're we're gonna do uh, the Simpsons episode. You only move twice, and then after that, we are going to do. Val Kilmer in The Saint. Yes. So, uh, what a great movie. Love yeah. that movie. And then we're, we're coming. 
we're coming back to Bond in in a couple weeks with uh, Tomorrow Never Dies uh, and Michelle Yeoh. It totally so. does. Well, Michelle Yeoh is the best part of that movie. And and Terry Hatcher. And Terry Hatcher. Terry, hey. Terry Hatcher who dies early. <laughs> but yeah, so there. I, well I'm before, I'm really well excited to tomorrow. talk about that movie because it is. The scene. It's awful. It, yeah. The scene's awesome. I love the scene. Yeah. You do not like the saint? I'm just fucking with Marco. Oh. Oh, okay. All right. Fun. Okay, cool. So it's the it's the, it's the spiritual sequel to Snowpiercer. That's what you meant to say. Fucking... That's what I meant to say. You're right. So, uh, okay, uh, and I should mention um, the the Simpsons episode. Uh, we're doing a crossover with the yours, mine, and theirs guys. Uh, so John and Roy will be here. And also another blast from the past from Provo in the '90s. Our our good friend Dr. Ammon Allred, Woo-hoo! professor of uh, philosophy. So uh, we are going to have lots of fun with him as one of the smartest people we know, talking about uh, a 22 anim- 22 minute animated episode about James Bond in The Simpsons. So uh, that'll be that'll be fun. Uh, and I don't, Mark Brooke, are are you down for joining us on that one too? Uh, I'm, yeah, yeah okay. it should be available. There should be rockets come out of Zeus's butthole. There may or may not be beads. I'm not sure. Because that one's gonna be super Provo in the Let 90s. Let me rephrase that. Do anal beads come out of Zeus's butthole? Then yes. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on how frisky Hera's feeling. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, all right. Sounds like fun. Okay, cool. Well, we're back uh, with that, and um, that that's it. We'll we'll see y'all next time with more. Uh, Is Nick Cage good podcast? Uh, all right. Bye, bye, everybody. Zardoz. Big kiss. Zardoz. Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. Sorry, let me... (laughs) Stupid spreadsheet. Pour some spreadsheet. At least you don't just go, shit, 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 shit. When you need more love. Um... Okay. I'm um, hot, sticky, okay. sweet. Continue. From my head to my feet. The beautiful people. The beautiful people. Oh, I hate that song. <laughs> the beautiful people. Okay. Okay. So.